I'm Sarah. And I'm Stephanie. And we're your hosts of the Motherload Podcast. Each week, we'll be getting real with each other, along with some of the world's leading experts in motherhood and women's health, some celeb friends, and fellow mamas to educate, empower, and inspire you along your motherhood journey. From fitness and wellness to full-on mama meltdowns. Hey, we all have them. To even the most controversial of issues, we share it all. Welcome to the Motherload. This podcast is brought to you by Luna Mother Co., the first all-in-one digital platform for motherhood. From fitness and wellness to parenting resources and community, Luna Mother Co. has it all. To learn more, visit www.lunamother.co. On today's episode, we have a very special guest joining us. She is a board-certified OBGYN and the go-to women's health expert for Good Morning America, The Today Show, Dr. Oz, The Talk, and ABC. We're super excited to have her on the show. We'll be talking about all things pregnancy, birth, and having a new baby amidst a pandemic. So let's welcome Dr. Jessica Shepard to the show. Hi, Dr. Shepard. Thanks so much for joining us. We're very excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. Um, so you are one very busy mama of two. You are also a board certified OBGYN and kind of the go-to women's health expert for many different uh, platforms. And then on top of it all, you're opening your own practice. I am. I am so excited to um, be part of something that I could one call my own, but two over these, you know, over 10 years that I've been in practice is really like build a composite of what I do really well and I'm very passionate about and focusing the practice on those things. So it is a lot of work. First of all, it's kind of one of those things where you're like, it sounds all great. And then you start doing the work and you're like, Oh, well, this is, this is a lot of work that I didn't necessarily anticipate. But when you, you know what the goal is and what you're trying to build it still just makes the whole project so much worth it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I just trying to do that in the middle of a pandemic and take care of (laughs) children is a lot. So I commend you. That's truly amazing. Um, It's that amazing fine line to crazy thing that you're like, you're amazing, but also probably crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But is there ever really the perfect time to do any of these? Never. Right. Never. Exactly. It's kind of like deciding to have kids, you know, there's never a perfect time to do it. It's like, I mean, they're just do it and see what happens or, you know, myself excuses. So, well, congratulations. That's very, very exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So what we kind of wanted to talk to you about is really what it's like for pregnant moms and new moms going through a pandemic, Um, because that really kind of changes the level of care. It changes the overall birthing experience for so many different reasons. Um, So, you know, I think one of the first things that we get asked a lot, and this is clearly not our area of expertise, is what does a (laughs) prenatal visit look like now, considering that I think the majority of them are are virtual? Yes, I was just about to say, it looks similar to what our our little conversation is here today, which is 
um, virtual. Um, telehealth has really made an emergence. Um, and I really do see some benefit to what it has allowed and what it contributes to. So for example, you have trying to decrease the risk of exposure. This again is going to create something that allows decrease of exposure. Also people who may have been affected by COVID, um, one want to be away from, uh, infecting anyone else, but also making sure that they're staying safe as well. And then also people who have to travel, you know, maybe to get their care, whether they're a high-risk pregnancy and have to travel, this allows that luxury of being able to still have your visits. But obviously there's still going to be some visits that are required in person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so with those in-person visits, is it still safe for women to be doing this? Is there anything besides just wearing the mask that expecting moms should be doing to protect themselves further when they have to go in in person? Yeah, I think one of the main things is just some of the precautions that we've put in place, uh, such as um, it changes the dynamics in a way that we have to get used to some of the things that become now become our new normal. For example, taking your temperature when you enter a building. Um, those are some of the new norms that we do with all of our patients wearing a mask, uh, making sure you go through some of those pre-screening questions that allow Has there been possible exposure? Could you be sick right now? But also the biggest thing I think that's taken effect into the visits is not being able to bring a spouse. Um, Somewhat is your support system. And that has changed kind of, you know, the emotional aspect of what the prenatal visit can look like. Right, right. Because when you go in, you're not doing it by yourself. Um, which mm-hmm. is interesting, especially when you're coming in for an ultrasound and these things that are really exciting to do with your partner. And now you're you're going in alone. Um, so I've yeah. heard of a lot of people having their their significant other with them on like Zoom or on FaceTime so that they can sort of yeah. really be there, which is, you know, fun in our ways. It changes it. Or sometimes they wait in the waiting room like uh, or in the car. Um, and the waiting room might be in another part of the building. Um, so it really has changed that dynamic. But it, um, you know what, at the end of the day, what we're all looking for, and parents included, is a safe baby. Right, absolutely. So when it does come time to give birth, that experience looks different too. So I know for a period of time, they were not allowing anybody to be in the room with the mother. And I believe for the most part that it's changed and you can have one person, one support person in the room with you. Yeah, that usually when, so when we were first, you know, hit with the pandemic, you know, probably March through May, usually the epicenter. So that was like New York city, some parts in California, uh, that really kind of shut off that whole experience of having someone in the delivery room. Now, other parts of the country, what they did is still have one support person, but then they whittled out any other visitors and that changed the experience as well. So either way, I would say most of the country has gone back to um, having one support person, but I would say most places have not kind of changed that to now having any and everybody in the room and transferring in and out, you know, and people used to be able to come in the delivery room and, kind of change uh, places with someone else who was waiting in the waiting room that definitely stopped okay so what does that what does that look like like what what are your options if you are giving birth in a hospital um you know are you being tested right there on the spot is your significant other being tested you know kind of while you're in labor is this something that they're doing beforehand 
some of the things that we have started to institute. Now for planned pregnancies or what we call induction of labor, or if it's a C-section, we do um, recommend that people get tested before their day. So usually within 48 hours of their scheduled time. But obviously with uh, delivering a baby, that's not always scheduled. It doesn't go as planned all the time. And so some of those changes might be having rapid testing of someone's symptomatic if they come in, making sure that they get tested, but also for everyone, you know, requiring to wear a protective, a personal protective equipment, making sure everyone has a mask on, a face shield, especially for the physicians and the nurses, making sure that they're safe as well. And so does the birthing mother also have to wear a mask during the process? That's that's a great question. So one of the things that has changed is what that would look like for the person who's delivering. I've heard of some colleagues uh, and other hospitals who, if the patient is not symptomatic, they don't have to wear one. Um, some hospitals require that everyone wears them when they're in the room. That makes a lot of sense. So do, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, I, I, I have heard of people who are choosing to do a birth center birth or a home birth in the hopes that they can have, you know, their doula there or different people that can support them. So if that's the case and then something happens where you need to be transferred to the hospital, uh, does that make things a little bit trickier? It really does. I think one of the things that has come out of this is a lot of fear and anxiety of the unknown, which is rightly so. Um, But as healthcare professionals and, you know, in medicine, we're scientists. So we are looking at this disease and this pandemic from like the root causes of what's caused it, what's going to increase someone's chance of um, transmission. And so we want to still be able to protect uh, moms and families against doing something that may not be in their best interest or, you know, may increase their chances of maybe not having a good outcome. So it's not to say that you can't deliver at home or, you know, choose a birthing center, but there are some things that when gone over with a healthcare professional and your OBGYN would still require you to deliver in a hospital. And I think those are the conversations that we don't want to miss out on, make sure that everything is covered, again, to get a safe baby. That's the end point at all times, to get a safe baby. Right. Do you have any any questions that you feel are really important for parents and parents to be to be asking their physicians that they may not normally think of outside of a you know a worldwide pandemic? <laughs> yeah, I think that one of the things you just maybe need to pay attention to or have more caution about now is um, what are your risk of that? having the disease or transmitting it. And those questions should still go into how often should I make my visits? Am I someone who's maybe not as high risk where more of my visits can be virtual? Um, And talking about your comfort level in this pandemic, you know, from a patient perspective, uh, what does that mean for a patient, for a new mom? What is that experience going to be like? How is it going to change? And how do I feel with those changes? I think those are very important discussion topics to have with the healthcare provider. And then also when, once you come up with the decision that you think is best for you, uh, best for you and your partner, best for you and your family is to make sure that that's then still discussed further with your healthcare professional, because yes, we want you to have the desires of this transition and journey that feel good for you, but we also want to make sure that they're healthy and that medical clearance of some sort is given if there needs to be. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's great. Um, I know that so far there hasn't been a ton of information on this, but is there anything new that has come out in regards to if a pregnant woman were to test positive for COVID, if that has any effect on the baby? Yeah, that's um, something that we have looked at very intently because we want to make sure that we're not missing any um, anything that could potentially increase the risk of now future deliveries having like, you know, kind of what we would say a high transmission in babies. So initially when this pandemic started, we saw that there was not a lot of transmission uh, from mom to baby during delivery. There was one case that I actually uh, did a segment on um, of a baby who they found it in the placenta, which was again, very different to what we'd seen in the past because anyone who, any babies or infants that had tested positive for COVID, we then tested the placenta to see if there's a placental transmission and all of those came out negative. Um, and there, there was one instance at where it looked as if the transmission may have been in utero. When most of the ones that we've seen at some point, there's a transmission as soon as baby was delivered um, in the short hours thereafter. So that was different, but we haven't seen a significant amount of these cases so much that we would think we need to really figure out what it is that we're that we need to mitigate and um, decipher in order not to have this as the norm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's good to hear. You know, I think that that's probably a really big concern with a lot of expecting people. Is you know, if I were to guess this, would I be able to give it to my baby? Right. And then on the mm-hmm. flip side, when the baby is born, you know, everything that we've been hearing so far is yes, continue to breastfeed and to, and to do all of these things. Now, if you were to test positive, is it still safe for you to be able to breastfeed your baby or would you want to be somewhat quarantined from them for a certain period of time? Yeah, there was a lot of moms who were either the moms were COVID positive or the babies shortly thereafter were showing COVID positive testing that they separated mom and baby. That to me was one of the worst things that I've heard um, from this. And again, it was done in order to protect and make sure that there was, again, healthy mom, healthy baby in the end. But still that bonding time right after delivery is so important. And I cannot imagine being a mom being separated from their child for a significant portion of time and how that might feel emotionally. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, so that kind of brings me to one of the last things that I wanted to touch on is yeah. this is clearly such a stressful time for, I think, everybody, but even more so if you are you find out that you're pregnant or that you've just had a baby that amplifies everything and can definitely play a role, I think, on the, the mental health of, of moms. So do you have any words of wisdom or advice on how to kind of navigate those feelings and ways to kind of cope with the anxiety and the stress that can come along with a situation like this? Yes. So I think that there are things that we've had throughout uh, a pregnancy process and delivery process, such as midwives, doulas, um, that I still think and I've seen it in in practice can still be had by using virtual. Mm -hmm. I really that we are in a different time and virtual can still offer you uh, that reassurance and that calming effect that you can get through um, an emotional connection with your doula that may not be in person. The other thing that I think is so imperative, and we will see start to see some of these numbers 
you know, maybe a year or two out is what emotional toll this has taken on society. And thinking about pregnant moms um, having gone through a pregnancy and or delivery or both throughout this pandemic is that we will see that there are going to be startling numbers of the emotional toll of what this has taken. So for now that we kind of know that this has probably been much longer than we expected um, and the numbers that we're seeing that, you know, we hit 200,000 deaths in the U.S. Uh, just last week. And so those are startling numbers when we think of a death that was due to a virus in, you know, a global pandemic. But I think it's important for us looking in the future as to how we can take those experiences that we've had over the last six months and really looking forward still have a really good outcome, a really good experience throughout pregnancy. And that's why I always advocate for a therapist. Um, the thing is, you don't want to get into this emotional kind of vacuum with uh, mental health um, and go to a therapist when you're at your worst. Right. You really would want to use those services when you're doing okay. Because it all it all really boils down to what tools do you have or what um, brain routines and, and muscle memory from your brain that you have when you're going through crisis that you're able to kind of gather yourself and use those tools to get you through that. Mm-hmm. It's not when you're broken down and when you're at your worst that we would want to get you the help that you need. We want to build you up before. So there's a lot of patients that I advocate as they start this process or they're asking, can I still get pregnant now that we're still in a pandemic? Um, What should I do? And one of the things I'm always like, discussion with your OBGYN, obviously. (laughs) I want you to really sit and think, would a therapist help me throughout this process? And if so, I always advocate it, whether people think they need it or not, um, to, to look into that and, and use that as one of the things that can actually help you more than hurt you through this process. Absolutely. Now, what about people who are go- or who need reproductive or, you know, IVF and that mm-hmm. reproductive technology and they've sort of started that process? Or is that something that people are still able to do during this time? Mm-hmm. They are. Okay. Yeah, uh, there, there was a very maybe like a good six weeks, six to eight weeks in various parts of the country where that was considered an elective procedure. And um, there were not a lot of infertility specialists who were doing those uh, procedures that were needed in order to get people pregnant. And that was a daunting time. Um, I thought, I think that there was a lot of support from uh, reproductive endocrinologists and fertility doctors to get their patients to feel okay and that we're going to make it. Um, and then we got through that time frame in which now elective surgeries were able to be done and they were right back on course. But when you're cycling someone specifically with like medications in order to ovulate, it can be a little hairy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it did, it did take a toll on some people who are right in the middle of the process unable to continue. Right. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, both of my babies are IVF babies mm-hmm. and there are so many in-person visits because you have to have your blood drawn and you have to be monitored. So there's mm-hmm. not as much of an opportunity to do the telehealth when you're going through something like that. Um, right. So I can imagine that just has its own whole mental aspect of, of being in For sure. through this and having to have it shut down. So I think it's great to know that we're back in a place where we're able to start to do those things again. And and do Absolutely. something that feel safe and comfortable. So, 
<laughs> as comfortable as we can be, I guess. I, mean, I know. Like, I when, know. It's well, like as comfortable as you can be in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Exactly. It's it's a very interesting time for sure. Um, well, I thank you so much for your time. I know you are an extremely busy woman, so thank you for sharing your expertise and absolutely. You know, I think this is so helpful to have this to be able to listen to and ease everybody's minds a little bit who are going through this because. No, it's not easy. It is not easy. And I've really resorted to allowing um, us to really see how resilient we can be. Mm -hmm. um, Strength of the human power and spirit uh, to get us through these times. So um, I think we're doing much better than expected. And I think when we look back on this um, historical like time, like this will be in history books on really what we are capable of and really how much we can help each other in these times. I think that that's so important for us to focus on that because we really can't do it alone. Absolutely. We're so much stronger together. And my hope is that this experience is something that we can all actually learn from and grow from. You know, we talk so much about wanting to go back to normal, but was normal really that great? You know, we could do better. And this is our opportunity to recognize that and to move forward in in a more positive way. So I like that one. Yeah. (laughs) Do better. We can do better. We can do better. We will do better. We have to do better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again so very much. It was wonderful to talk to you. And I hope all goes well. Have you opened your your new practice yet or are we still working towards that? No, we're still in the the drawing board as far as like build out and making sure that we have all the right programming. You know, the beautiful thing about the new practice um, is that we're working with a pelvic physical therapist and a yoga instructor all in-house with me. And so I want to be able to, when people have issues, I want to be like, go down the hall and talk to the and the pelvic physical therapist and we're gonna we're gonna get this ready for you we want you to be at your best in your pelvis so we're trying to empower women through their pelvis <laughs> <laughs> I love that that makes me so incredibly happy to hear and I wish that that was you know how it was everywhere because we, we need that you know that collective expertise and being mm-hmm. able to you know be referred to the pelvic health therapist down the way yeah I think that that is lacking. So that's really amazing. Really, really amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so very much. Um, Have a beautiful day. Hopefully we'll get to chat with you again soon. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thank you all for tuning in this week. I hope that you found this episode to be helpful. Just know that you are not alone, that there's a lot of support out there for you, whether that is through a doula that you can establish a strong relationship with and feel supported through your pregnancy and through your postpartum. And as Dr. Shepard mentioned, seeking out a therapist can be incredibly beneficial on so many levels, even if you don't think that you need one, just having somebody to talk to, to help process your thoughts and feelings around motherhood during a pandemic, being pregnant, giving birth, all of these things. This is an unprecedented time. So just know that there are 
are so many resources available to help you. We will link to some of those in the show notes if you want to take a look. And if you want to learn more about Dr. Shepard and connect with her, Instagram is a really great place to do that. You can follow her. She is on Instagram as at Jessica Shepard MD. And then you can also follow along with her practice, which is at Dallas Gynecologist. So make sure to check her out, give her a follow. And thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week.